podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the first episode of Sri Lanka on 99.94, or you might wear it depending on where you're listening to this. It might also be a Red Inker episode, but it is Sri Lanka on 99.94. As I do with all the new hosts, I'm taking control of the airways and, and hosting myself um, to bring them in gently, to, you know, to ease them into the role. Very exciting for me to be able to bring a Sri Lankan podcast into existence. Obviously, uh, I have a huge background with, with well, my Sri Lankan family, um, uh, but also Sri Lankan cricket. And I grew up with Sri Lankan um, people as well. So for me, it's really exciting to be able to do this podcast because the great thing about Sri Lankan cricket is they're either really good or they're really shit. And either way, it's great fun to talk about them as a team. Um, but I won't be doing most of the talking, of course. Um, I'll just pop in occasionally for the odd episode when they want me to come in and, and um, yell about something. But more often than not, what we're going to have is two hosts, but I will let them introduce themselves. Sir? I'm Mark, and I'm a broadcaster, producer, journalist, and most importantly, a, a massive Sri Lankan cricket fan. And Madam? I'm Esther Vasudevan. I work at thepapare.com as a writer, editor, and occasional commentator. So it's huge for me to be able to get you two on. I'm big fans of both of your work, and it's great to have you coming across um, and being on our podcast and hosting our podcast. I mean, it's not even at a certain point, it's not our podcast anymore. It's your podcast. Um, and, and you'll be doing with it. Well, we'll talk about that. But uh, let's start with you, Mark. Uh, you're a broadcaster. Um, I think the best way to look at you is that you're a podcast person. Yeah. So my, I, I kind of started off at the BBC and then kind of moved to talk radio and, to, and talk sport. And then a few years ago, I kind of was like, do you know what? I'm just going to go kind of full time into podcasting and try and make this work. So I run a whole host of different podcasts with a whole host of different presenters and and uh topics not not just on cricket or not just on sport but there's loads of different things we, we cover um in, in that kind of you know in in the group of pods that I, I listen to but i think the most important part and the reason i'm probably here is because uh, uh of my interest in cricket led me to create the early end uh, a few years ago which kind of started off as a kind of anglo Sri Lankan take on the lanka premier league because i was convinced that was going to be the best T20 tournament in the world. Um, and when it gets going, it's all right. It's just, <laughs> the, the issue is it takes a while to get going sometimes. It does. Uh, I'm not interested in the Murali end. I am. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, uh, I know you've worked on some weird podcasts. Can you tell me what the weirdest podcast that you currently work on is? I think the weirdest one I've got involved in is there's a British uh, kind of celebrity called Paul Danan who uh, was in Hollyoaks about 20 years ago and then ended up being on the first season of Love Island, uh, which is a British reality show. And we, we've been doing a podcast with him for about four years now, and I've ended up kind of co-hosting it with him. And they bring on all these kind of reality stars and, and people who are involved in UK showbiz. And I've absolutely no idea what they're doing, you, you know, any of their background stories. And I, I end up... I, accidentally ask them some quite awkward questions sometimes because I wander into to spaces and areas that I shouldn't wander into. And I think that's probably, if you know me, the, the, the least likely thing you'd be expecting me to do, but I somehow ended up there, just the way these things work out. It, I mean, it sounds awesome. Let's just go back to the Sri Lankan element. Obviously, you have an English accent, but your father's Sri Lankan, is that right? Yeah, yeah. My dad's from Colombo. Um, 
he he's one of those shrunkers who claims not to really be into the shrunken it like to follow the cricket team that closely but he's got very strong opinions on who should open the batting and it, which bowlers should be in the squad and who should be dropped and who he never wants to see put the shrunken shirt on ever again uh but he, he swears that he doesn't follow it that closely yeah that sounds like my dad on every sport if we're being honest. Um, Estelle, you are my expert on Sri Lankan netball, which makes you an incredibly niche person in my life. Um, but, you know, through the puppery, um, you're like, uh, you recently got promoted, although uh, as far as I can tell, you haven't had a change in title, but you, it sounds great, whatever you're doing over at the puppery at the moment. To, for those who don't know, and I think most Sri Lankan fans would know, but it's, I kind of see it as like a bleacher report sort of thing. It was sort of like, you know, grown organically by, by a few people. I know you had some sponsors early on as well. And it's gone on to be quite a big thing in Sri Lankan sport, hasn't it? Yeah, I think we pride ourselves as being Sri Lanka's number one sports hub where, you know, every sport is represented. We try our best to cover as many sports as uh, we can, even in, even some of the smaller sports. But I think the main, like the main area of focus is production. So we do a lot of live streaming, uh, cricket, football, rugby, sometimes basketball, netball, uh, focus more on the local sport. And uh, occasionally we get the opportunity to uh, produce some international sport as well. And for you specifically, are you, is your main job writing about cricket now? Well, generally I'm overall supposed to have a look on uh, the quality of content that's going on the papari.com. So whether it's audio, video, written content, all of that. But yeah, I'm, I'm focused more on writing about cricket but as you said netball athletics uh, it's kind of a mixed bag for me over there and uh, a while back i said to you you should look into podcasts knowing that eventually i would like to hire you for a podcast um and uh shortly after i had that conversation uh, mark got you on the murally end am i right yeah it was it was strange it was i think we, we sp you sp spoke to me about getting on radio shows or podcasts or whatever i can as many as possible and like the next day, I got a message uh, from Mark on Twitter asking me if I could be on the Murali. And so that was my first appearance on a podcast. And so, Mark, you, you said you started around the Lankan Premier League, which has got to be the most optimistic podcast I've ever heard of, um, assuming that the Lankan Premier League would have actually gone ahead after what happened with the Sri Lankan Premier League, for instance. Um, uh, and... Uh, it is, there's a lot of, there are a lot of non-Sri Lankans on that podcast. I know obviously Estelle's been on and, you know, and, and there's quite a few others, but what was the idea behind creating it? Uh, is that because you just want to talk about Sri Lankan cricket or did you just think it was a niche or what was, what was the deal there? Um, so, so I, I kind of wanted to talk about Sri Lankan cricket. I also wanted to do something in cricket, right? Because it's something I watch a lot of, it's something I'm really interested in. I also... You know, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a fan of lots of other sports. I'm a big Liverpool fan as well. And if you wanted to, you could pretty much listen to Liverpool-based podcast 24/7, 365 days a year. And it was weird to me that there was no, there was nothing really out there that was talking broadly about Sri Lankan cricket. But even actually, there wasn't a huge amount talking about cricket from that region of the world in general. So I was like, well, I'm a podcaster. I should probably go away and start doing it. Um, and then there was two things that happened. I realized that firstly, I really, really love talking about Sri Lanka cricket specifically, but also I really love talking about cricket. And then I was like, how do I kind of grow this as it were? 
So I just ended up getting loads of people onto it. And now kind of Murillian's got a bit of a mind of its own mm. and it just tries to cover as much as it as it can. And it's a it's a it's a bit like a greedy child, I think, because it just sucks a lot of cricket into it. Yeah, I would say that Murillian's not really a Sri Lankan cricket podcast anymore. It's kind of it's kind of a, a podcast where a bunch of people who probably were following Sri Lankan cricket, whether they be in Sri Lanka or outside, were interested. And now it's it's kind of like, I don't know tail enders without the famous people yeah it's kind of like what what, what's happened is is because i work with a a a lot of kind of younger people i suppose people trying to make their way into broadcasting in the uk it's got a lot of basically kids involved in it talking about cricket and i think for a few of them they've actually gone on to get paid gigs and stuff in other places so uh you know i'm quite proud that in a way that it's been a stepping stone for for a few people to get on but it's it's slowly it's definitely moving away from you know being very shrunker focused to, to being much broader um the the problem is as well is that inevitably you end up talking about the things you're into so if i if there's lots of you know young british kids involved in it then they're going to talk about the hundred and they're going to talk about county cricket and they're not really that interested in, in the big match or the lunker premier league as, as much as i would like them to be but you know there you go yeah, just not as much Tiramani chat as you're looking for. But on this podcast, it's going to be all Tiramani, 24 hours a day, more than he's ever had until he gets dropped again. But we'll get to that later. Um, Estelle, you and I did a podcast, I don't know when it was now, maybe about a year back, where I think we called it the Sri Lankan Omni Shambles, where we went through almost every problem within Sri Lankan cricket. And somehow we managed to do it in under four hours. Mm-hmm. Um it, well, that probably was one of the longest episodes we've ever done. Um, it really has been, even even by Sri Lankan cricket standards, I think the last couple of years have been some of the craziest in Sri Lankan cricket history, probably since the late 70s, maybe early 80s, when it was rightfully mad. Yeah, it's been a crazy couple of years. I wouldn't even say a couple of years. It's been going on uh, for the last five or six years. But... Um, I think I'm hopeful yeah. things are getting better uh, now with, with a more settled team. And I know the leadership at SLC is the same, but things a little bit brighter uh, from the, from the, on the pitch, at least. Off the pitch? Off the pitch. <laughs> Everybody knows what's going on, right? Off the pitch, in the boardroom, off the pitch in Sri Lanka, n- not as much. Uh, I mean, let, let's talk about the cricket though, Mark. So it's... I, I got, I'm doing the most approved player video for my um, YouTube channel at the moment. And I think I had four nominations of, of Sri Lankan players. So I had Karuna Ratna, who I think I he'd already approved. So he was easy to go past. Uh, Dick Weller. I'm trying to think who the other one was. Um, Tiramane was one. And there's one other um, who I've just done bunches of research on and now have forgotten. But there, there was quite a few of them there anyway. And... I think that tells you, if nothing else, that um, there's been a mini surge over the last two, two and a half years in Sri Lankan cricket. I remember talking to Mickey Arthur about it when he first got the job and and chatting to him and saying, there's a lot of talent there. And he said, yeah, I don't think people understand how much talent is in Sri Lanka at the moment. It does feel like this is a better situation for Sri Lankan cricket than we've seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think if you if you remember last year when England were in Sri Lanka, uh, sorry, when Sri Lanka came to England, uh, and there was the old, whole incident with with the boys in Durham, and that I think I'm, I'm hoping was about the, the kind of low point, and then the kind of resurgence, the renaissance 
uh, seemed to begin as we kind of in the World Cup last year. And that's kind of, you know, obviously the, the T20 success spilt across to the test team. The test team seems to be in a, in a bit health healthier place. Um, there, and there seems to be a, a batch of really exciting young players coming through. And actually, um, you know, Sri Lankan cricket is always going to be having its ups and its downs. But it feels to me like we should be on an upward trajectory at the moment. But, you know, as Estelle and you were alluding to earlier, you just never know what's going to happen with Sri Lankan cricket. It could all blow up in the next few days or, you know, or the flip side of it, it could go on and win something quite big in the next few months. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, there was that. I felt, Estelle, during the World T20 that there was a real energy around the team. Now, I think when we go back and we look at actually the results, Maybe a lot of that energy came from them beating teams that they should have beaten quite well. Um, but but even within that, they looked like they were a bit more organized on the field. If you compare it to the last World Cup, you know, the 2019 World mm. Cup, where, you know, my memory is of that is what Malinga topless on the on the balcony or whatever it was. Um <laughs> it that that seemed like a really, really unorganized cricket team that didn't really know what it was doing. And if you look at the off-field stuff, captains and the coaches and all that sort of stuff that was certainly the case has it felt in, in covering Sri Lankan cricket over the last especially year and a half um that there has been a, a general getting their act together on the field yeah I think that's def there's definitely been a real hope uh that things are turning around finally I mean uh, since the retirements of uh, Sangrakar and Jayavardhana there was always that talk of transition and that transition seemed to be lasting you know, like it'll last about a decade. But fortunately, things seem to be turning around. I think it's what's funny is that, uh, like Mark mentioned, that team that traveled to England, that's basically the same team that Sri Lanka have now as well, except for a couple of changes. But the the difference is, I mean, almost uh, difficult to believe, like people like Charita Salanka, the way he played in the World Cup last year. And if you look at what he looked like uh, in England, he looks like a different player. So similarly, there have been a lot of those players stepping up. Um, I think even during the Asia Cup, we've seen a lot of different players, you know, stepping up uh, to win games for Sri Lanka. So there's a lot of hope. Um, I think during my career, definitely this is the most hopeful that that fans have felt about the team. That's absolutely hor horrifying, of course. <laughs> the Let's just go back to the England series for a moment because I think that's quite interesting. When you look at, like, Estelle, I think we talked about it on that podcast, but Dick Waller was given whatever the, his suspension was, a lifetime suspension, and he was never allowed to go into a McDonald's again, you know, without a coupon or whatever it was, you know. The, and, and from then to now, obviously, he's not suspended anymore and he's playing, but Dick Waller's finally become the player that I think most of us thought he could become. Uh, you know, so there are a lot of transformations of players like him. What do you think specifically with Dick Weller has changed? Do you think that was perhaps the kick that he needed, even if it was perhaps the stupidest suspension we have seen in international cricket? And we've seen a few. Yeah, I do think it was kind of a wake-up call for him because um, there's always been this kind of aura about him. He's the bad boy. He's the, the he's the party animal. People talk about him when he was a schoolboy, how he used to turn up to games. And I mean, I'm not going to go into too many details, but you know that I think the time off has definitely seen him mature a little bit. I wouldn't say he's he's he's. I mean, 
played up to his potential yet i think he he is a very talented uh batter and we could keep us so particularly in test cricket i think there's still a ways to go for him uh but definitely that was kind of a wake up call for him in particular because he was the only one of three who was kind of falling behind on on the field as well he was being dropped from the um limited over squads i uh, wasn't seeing too much of game time and he, his position in test side was also kind of under threat because there were other wicket keepers coming through um so it was kind of a wake up call for him to get his act together and we've seen a lot of improvement since then from him yeah there's always other wicket keepers coming through in sri lanka like england there's about nine in every team so you do you do have to keep your wits about you a little bit more uh mark let's let's talk about the great man tiramane uh i think I, I'm going to do this off the top of my head, so I might get the number slightly wrong. I think of batters who've batted in the top six 50 times by the year two, 2020, he had the third worst batting average in the history of specialist batters. The only people who were worse were, I think it's, I've forgotten his name, the Bangladesh opener when Bangladesh first started. So basically a guy who was thrown in when he wasn't ready probably. And the, pers- the other person with a lower average than him was Mike Brearley, who was picked specifically despite the fact he couldn't bat. So you could say that at that point, Tiramane was the worst specialist top order wow. player in the history of cricket. Since then, uh, he's been averaging 40 in his nine tests when he's come back. Almost all of those runs came in a little spurt in the middle. He, he was really good against the West Indies. Uh, sorry, made 100 against England, didn't he? Really good against West Indies. Made a bunch of runs against Bangladesh. Um uh, struggled a little bit more against India. It, it, has he finally worked out? I mean, it's it's quite. You you watch him. It's quite clear he can bat. Like this isn't this isn't a case of you know this is this isn't a case of some random guy coming in off the street because um, he's got family connections. He can bat. We see him in one day cricket. Do you think now we're seeing maybe you know uh, him working out his game at the international level? So, so he's had an interesting few months, right? Because. Um, I, I th- he missed the series around Christmas time. I think that mean might have been when the West Indies were over, and there was a bit of a um, w- w- people couldn't quite work out why he missed it. It turned out that I think he was in Melbourne and it, his wife was given birth, and he'd basically taken paternity leave for it. And uh, he's he's kind of in and around the team. I don't think he's ever going to play, uh, you know, we're not going to see him play any white ball cricket for Sri Lanka anymore. But I do think he's definitely has developed as a quite a serious test batsman, right? Because part of Sh- Sri Lanka's problems in the like in the next few years is going to be how they, you know, how do you give players of his quality enough game time? How do you how do you get enough tests to 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 keep these these people involved because the other thing for for a lot of these Sri Lankan players is the lure of playing abroad right even playing kind of you know good grade cricket in 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 Australia or or playing for for a good club side in you know in the Yorkshire Premier League or something like that in England is 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 still you know quite a a big draw for for some quite established international players for Sri Lanka so that you know the, the great shame might be for a player like him or or, or, or if, you know that there's a clutch of other Sri Lankan players I can think about might be that they end up having you know to play their their 30s when they should be in their primes for their careers playing playing abroad and not playing much test cricket um but you know t- looking at his career in, in particular I can't think of another Sri Lankan player who's probably been as maligned in the early part of his career I mean when he got picked for the t- uh, tw- uh 2019 um ODI World Cup, the the amount of abuse he was getting before a game had even been played, just because you know people say he doesn't score quick enough. 
and and you know they they didn't see him as as a white ball player, but I, I think he's he's a player that they've kind of the they've backed and and he's developed into to to a world class cricketer. Yeah, the whole thing with Sri Lankan cricketers is I don't know how many people outside of sort of the in the know part. Most most cricketers you see West Indians and New Zealanders and South Africans come over to play league cricket in England, but Sri Lankan cricketers have another pipeline through Melbourne and the Sri Lankan connections in Melbourne. And there's this competition in Melbourne called Subdistrict Cricket, which I used to play in. I've never understood why it has money or where the money comes from. Um, and I played in it, <laughs> but there's a lot of money there. And a lot of that money goes to big name Sri Lankan players. And, um, as you said, international players, sometimes fringe domestic players, and it's, it's a really weird uh, a, a little system. So, I, again, we see this with a lot of the poorer countries, that there are so many different ways that the players don't end up representing their nation or that they're not developing the right way because they are playing in league cricket around the world when they really should be playing you know, in, in, in stronger competitions. Um, there are some interesting positives, though. I, I'd say out of the last IPL, Estelle, it's been a long time since the Indian Premier League teams have looked towards Sri Lanka as as a, a place to develop talent. I think for a long time, uh, I, I know when I was working in analysis, that was one of the things that I used to do is I used to go, well, let's start with the Sri Lankan players first um, because they're completely undervalued in the market. And it was only probably that last auction when the IPL team sort of started to work out, wait a minute, there's and, and that, that comes off the back of that World Cup, I would say, when the Sri Lankan team did look like a fairly exciting team. Yeah, it was incredible to see because... It's a huge opportunity for these players. They don't get that kind of money in Sri Lanka. They don't get that kind of competitive cricket domestically, as you know. Um, so, like, even guys like Matisha Patirana, who had was yet to make his international debut, getting into the IPL, I think was incredible for them. Um, what's interesting is it was all, mostly bowlers, apart from Bankaraja Paksha. So, I think that's kind of the benchmark now. A lot of players are setting for themselves as well. Now they've seen... Others go before them. Most of them had good game time as well. I think apart from Charmika Karnaratna, everyone else got, you know, proper uh, game time at the IPL last time. So um, that's kind of the standard. A lot of domestic players also setting for themselves, as Mark mentioned, like um, the future tours program, I think, put a real dampener on a lot of hopes for players in terms of international cricket. So now those are the kind of areas they'll want to really um, make an impact in to get into those leagues. Uh, just take us through that. So what was the issues with Sri Lanka's cricket when it comes to the future tour program? Because weirdly enough, every time I look at the teams who played the most international cricket, Sri Lanka over the last five to 10 years have been really high up there. Um, but this FTP is a bit different. I think what's really concerning is the tests. So just 25 tests, I think, in the next four years. Um, it's disappointing for players like Dimut Karunaratna, who I think... He's one of the best openers of the last decade, right? And then when you tell him he's only going to get 24 tests in the next four years, the whole idea of, you know, staying in uh, the setup is kind of pointless because he knows he's not really going to be considered in white ball cricket. Um, similarly for the others as well, it suddenly becomes, you know, someone like, I mean, I've spoken to Mark about this, someone like Patumni Saka, who to me would would be, could be one of the best uh, test cricketers Sri Lanka has ever produced. He, he's so good uh, at the top of the order. 
such a good batsman has has such good hands um but now you can't tell that guy you know focus on test cricket because that's basically a dead end for him we don't know what the next uh, ftp is going to say so then it it's kind of you know you make it in limited overs cricket which again there isn't much cricket uh, for them um or, or basically you move on to you know playing some league cricket in england or uh, in australia can i just add to that as well i think yeah in a way that this is exactly the position sri lanka's been in effectively his whole cricketing life right when i when i was a kid and we we used to go to colombo and and my dad and his mates would, would sit around drinking arak and me and my sister would be bored in the corner i i they would sing songs about which i think i think they'd actually nick from the west indies about asking the icc to come and play cricket with them and why they weren't uh you know why they didn't have test status and in a way while it is sad that shrunk don't play more cricket i also think it kind of galvanizes the Sri Lankan cricketing psyche because I think a lot of Sri Lankan cricket is built on resilience and it's built on this idea that people don't want to come and play with us and that we're not getting you know we're never going to be at the top table we have to really fight for everything I mean if you talk to any Sri Lankan cricket fan or if you talk to any Sri Lankan right if you go what are the best you know what what the top kind of three or four moments of Sri Lanka's history I mean always up there is is Murali getting called for chucking right because it's like it's 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 the ultimate Sri Lankan cricketing moment where it's like right we're at we're there we're playing one of the big teams but they don't want our best player to play against them and like so I think there's there's a lot of you know it's it's really sad that they're not going to play more test matches and I really feel for the players especially the ones who who are kind of in their in their prime right we we spoke about Dimith and and Tiramani and and even the younger players but I also think in a way it feeds into into what Sri Lanka cricket is and it feeds into you know it 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 re reestablishes what our identity in a way. Yeah, I, I was there when Murali was called, by the way. So if you ever want me to uh, come on an episode to talk to you through about that, it's um, uh, I was I was at the MCG for that game. It was uh, absolutely bizarre. But yeah, I think uh, you know we did a podcast um, with Nick Brooks recently. You know, uh, on his book, I, he's been on Murali end. I'm assuming as well. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've even watched. Sri Lankan cricket with him. Like, yeah, I'm sure everyone's okay. been on the Murali end at this point. But you have to realize that Sri Lanka was probably held back 30 or 40 years from where their cricket talent was compared to someone like New Zealand, who were, you know, uh, pushed in ahead of their time and weren't quite ready. But, you know, you know that could be tacked onto Australian tours. So they became a test playing nation, you know. Um, and there was, there was racism involved as well. I think when Pakistan got test status. Canada almost got test status because the white teams wanted more white white teams to play uh, because South Africa probably couldn't play otherwise. Um, so there's always been that that element, and I think that Sri Lanka were left behind. So there's absolutely no doubt um, that that is um, it, it's something that is very much uh, part of that Sri Lankan uh, uh, cricket. And I think you're right. Um, but Mark, I just because Murley End was based around the London Premier League, but before it morphed into what it's become, it's a really interesting thing that I don't think, and, and I'm sure you know, for people like me and Estelle, we realise how much it retarded the progress of Sri Lankan cricket as not having a local league. That means that they didn't get offers into the CPL. You know, unless you played for the Sri Lankan national team, you weren't getting into the CPL. And it was very hard to break into the Sri Lankan national team at times because it, you know, there wasn't a good local league. Having that Premier League has at least allowed them to pay their local cricketers a little bit more. It's allowed for 
overseas people to get involved, whether it be players, coaches, administrators, and all those sorts of things. And it probably is the reason we're starting to see, you know, Sri Lanka have a, a little bit of a professional bounce that we haven't seen over the last couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. You know, from a personal perspective, I was just ecstatic when I discovered that Sri Lankan, effectively Sri Lankan domestic cricket was going to be shown on Sky Sports. I was like, finally, my, my Sky Sports subscription in the UK is worth more than just the eight Liverpool games I get a month, right? Um, and I, th I think that the exposure, the whole kind of circus that's created around it as well, bringing international commentators and coaches into it and making it a kind of special event and moment for the players, I think is massively important, right? Because I think there was there was many incidents over the years where domestic players who were playing well domestically were playing in games where there wasn't a huge amount of, of media around them. There wasn't a huge amount of fans coming to watch their games. And then suddenly they're being thrown into to playing Australia at the MCG or coming to Lords or, come, you know, playing in, in, in the great stadiums all around the world. And you go from being somebody who's probably quite well known in your local area to, to having a global audience all of a sudden. And for absolutely everyone, that's going to be overwhelming, right? It's actually incredible that some players come through and, and, have, and have been competitive. And I also think, you know, that the, the Lanka Premier League, it's, it's not just created this showcase for them, but if you look at the direction that cricket is going and we're, we're going to end up with franchise tournaments all around the world, it's so important that we get the best players into these, best Sri Lankan players into these tournaments to learn what other teams are doing to learn what other players are doing to have experience of playing other places to bring that knowledge back right i think you know as, as you say it's no coincidence that this bounce that we're seeing comes off the two seasons of, of the lunker premier league and players playing in the ipl and i, I just think it you know you look at someone like hasaranga how invaluable it must mm. be being in the change room with vera Kohli and, oh. and having to listen to, listen to him talk i mean hasaranga is a perfect example of i think i might have I think I saw him play for the Sri Lankan national team and I saw him bowl about 20 balls and I contacted someone who I thought might be his agent and said, this guy's a million dollar player. You're going to get rich off this guy. And no one was talking about him. And, and that does happen. And Kyle Jameson was another player who I saw very early on and was like, why is everyone not signing them? But really that shouldn't be happening with Sri Lankan cricketers. Sri Lankan cricketers aren't all the way off on a, uh, on a tiny island in the middle of nowhere. They're on a tiny island in the middle of somewhere, right? They're right <laughs> next to India. They, they, it should be much easier to be able to talent scout, and, and they completely fell behind. We have said a lot of great things about the men's cricket and where that's going. Uh, Estelle, if you could just give us a word on the fact that the Sri Lankan women's team seems to almost been disbanded at times um, over the last couple of years. Uh, everything that's going good for the men's team, have we seen any sort of bounce in the women's team since the last time I talked to you when it was utter, utter carnage? Yeah, since then, we've had a couple of tours earlier this year. I think that's, I mean, chiefly due to the fact that they had to have two tours uh, for the ICC Women's Championship. Um and and ICC released the uh, the first women's FTP as well, so they're guaranteed a couple of series in the next couple of years. So that's a good thing. But like you said, it it almost seems like, and that's that's sort of a thing even uh, in something like netball, where basically the team doesn't exist, and then <laughs> there's a tour coming up, and suddenly everyone's training, and you know, it's so much uh, to the fact that sometimes. Until the FTP was released, you don't know when they're playing next. You don't know when their domestic uh, tournament mm. is going to be held. 
um, or what sort of format it's going to be. So, the, I mean, I can never say anything positive about the women's side because there isn't like, I mean, much of improvement to talk about. They've, they, they've, I think over just before COVID, they were working on kind of getting more rural schools into the sport. So they were distributing um, equipment and things like that, which is, I think, a good step because there is no... Um, See, in the men's side, you have the schools who are really competitive and you you kind of have that structure. But for the girls, that doesn't really exist. So with the Under-19 World Cup coming up uh, in January as well, I think there's been a bit of focus in that area, trying to at least get a team together. Um, so that That's the like the little bit of positive news I can give you on that. But still very much being kind of left behind when you compare to compare them to the other teams around the world. I want to switch over to the media. I, I, you know, there, we obviously have an Indian podcast and an English podcast. And let's be honest, we don't really, you know, there's lots of those podcasts. I think there's things that we can offer, uh, having professionals talk about cricket daily, but you can pretty much get daily cricket coverage in, in the UK and in India, uh, anywhere you look. Places like the West Indies, there's almost no cricket media at all. And so having that podcast there is incredibly important. Sri Lanka's kind of somewhere in the middle. Obviously, there's, you know, Fidel Fernando and there's, um, you know, Rex Clementine. So there's a couple of very well-known journalists and there's a couple of others that that, that, that are quite well-known. And then you have, uh, well, the Puppery, which was actually very hard to follow for a long time because you put it behind a subscription. Um, and there was uh, Island Cricket, which is, I think, currently being sued by a player's wife um <laughs> if i'm not mistaken or something along the lines there uh, you know uh, mark from an outsider's perspective it's kind of a bit weird looking at sri lankan cricket media because you know i hear stories from my mother-in-law of you know of growing up in sri lanka and like you'd wait at the train stations and the first class scores would be read out at the train station there's a lot of passion for cricket in Sri Lanka, but it hasn't really come through to media coverage at all times and certainly not professional level media coverage. No, it's, it's deeply frustrating for someone like me who's a, you know, a Sri Lanka fan abroad. It's really difficult to to, to get good quality information. I mean, the Papere is, is the, some of the stuff they've done is incredible. Uh, Sri Lanka cricket has its nuances. So at some point, I'm sure we'll get around to talking about schools cricket and how like the role that plays in Sri Lanka. I mean, uh, it blows people's minds that schools get kind of 10,000 fans into watching a, a limited over school, uh, schools game in, in international stadiums. Um, and the domestic cricket has, has very little coverage. Um, and it, it when I, when I was a kid, basically whenever somebody used to call from Sri Lanka, I used to try and get my dad to ask them for any cricket news, that they had and see if they can, you know, tell us who the next players were coming through. That was obviously pre-internet. It's slightly better now, as you say. And, you know, obviously social media has got people talking as well. Um, but, you know, when, in terms of podcasts, you know, there's the, there's the Shrunken Cricket podcast, which is run by uh, two great guys in, in Australia, but there's nothing much beyond that as well. So there's not a lot of discussion going on around mm. it beyond kind of getting schools out there. And, uh, and uh, you, you can watch quite a bit of it now online, but um, there's not the the kind of holding to account, as it were, or actually discussion technique and, and players and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, Estelle, I, I know that you're biased, but outside the puppery and, and probably things like island cricket and social media, there really hasn't been a big push 
um, of of cricket media uh, in, in Sri Lanka, and it does feel that it's almost. I think some of this has to do with the fact that. Uh, the Sri Lankan internet works in a way that I will never truly understand where to search for something, you almost have to be in Sri Lanka um, at the time. It's more of an intranet than an internet. Um, <laughs> but the whole industry really has stagnated a little bit, hasn't it? Despite the fact that Sri Lankan cricket is still quite a big thing within the nation itself. Yeah, I think it's still very much centered around newspapers. So digitally, there's a big, I think there's a big hole to fill in that area because we don't see, as Mark mentioned, a podcast or discussion, really, we don't see much of it uh, because a lot of it is still centered around newspapers. You mentioned uh, Rex Clementine. He works at uh, one of the leading newspapers in Sri Lanka. Similarly, you have a lot of writers, even when you're covering a game, you've got only a couple of people maybe coming in from websites and who create digital can content. Most people come in from newspapers and uh, radio stations, um, places like that. So that's definitely an area that we hope will grow in the next couple of years. But there have been a few um, like the batsman.com that has live scores. So I think that that was one area that Sri Lanka was really missing out on. First class scores, like uh, Mark mentioned, there's very little interest. Uh, I mean, at the stadium, at least you, 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 I think. If you see more than 100 people, that would be a big crowd at a domestic game. Um, but there is, a, there is interest outside where people would want to know the scores and such. And, and, and websites like batsman.com, uh, they've been providing kind of that, that area of things they have covered. And we've been doing the live streams um, for a lot of the major tournaments. So... Uh, some of the invitational tournaments which Sri Lanka cricket like to organize just ahead of a World Cup or an Asia Cup, uh, those kinds of things. Yeah, I, I find I find the whole thing really interesting because it doesn't, you look at, and, and part of this is size, but, but you do look at Sri Lanka and Bangladesh's media landscape and you compare it to, let's say, Pakistan. And I know Pakistan is, is, is a very big country, but Pakistan has all these new websites that are always growing, whether it be via forums or whatever, there always seems to be a new entrepreneurial person coming through. It hasn't seemed to have quite hit Sri Lanka as much. And maybe it's just that the, uh, you know, the, the market is a little bit smaller, but, um, personally, from our perspective, you know, uh, we were always going to have a Sri Lankan podcast. The fact that you two were around, uh, you were the first two choices on my list. Um, and you both said, yes, so that's handy. And I don't have to lie to you. Like I do to, you know, Daniel Norcross. That's not actually true, but let's, if he ever listens to this, that will annoy him. Uh, but, uh, you know, so for me, it, it was a huge thing. And from 99.94's perspective, as I said before, you know, we, we, we actually have the ability to, we hope, help Sri Lankan cricket a little bit by having, you know, two professionals um, who, who talk about the team every day. And I just want to say from, from all of us that it's just a huge honor to have you both on board. Um, and I can't wait to listen to the podcast because let's be honest, um, if, if no, nothing else, a lot of these podcasts I'm just setting up because I want to listen to people talk about uh, this country and certainly in the Sri Lankan case, that is uh, that is the one. So, Mark, thank you very much. Estelle, thank you very much. And this is the last, if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, Jar is Jared going to be on? No, I'm not going to be on this podcast. It's going to be Mark hosting, Estelle in the co-pilot seat, and they're going to be taking you through all the cool things with Sri Lanka. But thank you very much for joining us, both of you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Jared, what they won't know is how you recruited us. 
yeah what do you mean how so, I... so the story was so the story was if you if you're still listening <laughs> is that basically i'd gone out to watch sri lanka play australia obviously this is the match where uh dasan shanaka hit 59 runs and what 18 balls or something like that and then when i got home celebrating in my living room the tv was on and the chair was right in the middle of it it swelled around it was jared just as nick fury sipping a whiskey <laughs> going have you ever heard of the 99.94 dm project <laughs> And the rest is history. Yeah, that's definitely how I remember it. I, I flew over to um, to Colombo as well to put a bunch of rose petals down for Estelle uh, to woo her, uh, you know, uh, buy, buy her new equipment. Yeah, it was. Uh, there's been a lot going on. But no, look, it really is. It's huge for us um, to have you both involved. So thank you very much. And uh, uh, for those who don't know how this network works, these two lovely people will be giving you Sri Lanka cricket um, news and analysis and chat three times a week uh, from here on in. And if they don't, I'll have them both fired. So if you want to find the podcasts, uh, you can go over to the 99.94 app, which you can find on Android or you can find on uh, iOS. Uh, you can also follow us via um, uh, Twitter at 9994DM, um, which will have all the information about all the other podcasts as well. Sri Lanka is the eighth podcast, I think, on the, on the network so far. Um we also have a minor league cricket one if anyone is interested in minor league that i don't know what the venn diagram of shalunkan and minor league cricket <laughs> fans are but you never know um and and of course they'll also be uh, on youtube as well but if you want to you'll be able to search for uh Lanka on 99.94 in whatever podcast medium you want uh, obviously these things take time as as uber um podcast man mark will tell you these things take time to get them up on all the things but if you keep following us on social media or follow estelle or mark on social media you'll be able to find all those things but for now this is me ending this podcast and the next time you will hear the dulcet tones of mark and estelle talking to you about sri lanka on 99.94 thanks for listening thanks for listening to red inca on 99.94 for more information about us, go to 99.94dm.com. Remember to download our app or just search for West Indies, India, England, South Africa, and Sri Lanka with the search term 99.94 where you find podcasts or on YouTube. Red Inca is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorriston makes the best audio anyone can from random Zoom calls. We also have a great support team from 42 with Rati Joshi on socials, Orijoti Sainapiya, and Meda Akam producing some of the shows and Makunda Banredi as the head of YouTube content. Our theme tune is by The Red Crickets.